What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode five of Dread and Drafts, the podcast where we discuss all things fear while we drink and review all things beer. I am John, and with me, as always, are my co-hostesses with the co-hostesses, Jen. Hello. And Annie. Hello. Are you following the rules? Because you better be. Just remember, be good to him, and he'll be good to you. Be bad to him. And, oh, um, never mind. Uh, we're running late to our review of The Boy. <laughs> First up, who's drinking what? All right. Uh, Annie and I are drinking a nice cherry shoof. And I will let Annie uh, give you the deets on that. It's a Belgian beer located in the Ardennes region of Belgium. Um, in the village of Oshuf. Oshuf. I'm saying it wrong, but that's okay. It's delicious. It's pink. It's got a nice cherry flavor to it with just a slight bitterness on the finish. Um, and I, I just love the little gnome. I love um, the flavor of this beer. So I think, you know, go out and get you some. It's adorable and delightful. You could drink with a group or if you're gnome alone. Oh, right? <laughs> I hate you sometimes, I know. All right, and then myself, I am absolutely enjoying this fantastic new beer that I came across. <clears throat> and it is the Nectar of the Mexican Gods, Treos Cerveza. Uh, it is brewed by the Lincoln Beer Company in Stephen Point, Wisconsin. Uh, legit, the best one of the best cervezas I've ever had. Absolutely outstanding. Danny Trejo faces on it. Name is on it. Yeah, and absolutely very appropriate for the podcast because he is one of our favorite like actors as far as horror movies go. He has been in a shit ton of horror movies. Actor in general, one of our favorites. Oh and, yeah. But yeah, as as definitely one of the you know, I, I, I honestly think like one of the kings of horror because like he's in so many different movies. Mm-hmm. Always outstanding. And honestly, like, I feel like he would be the cool kind of guy that would be awesome to just sit back and have a beer with. So well, I mean, he plays fucking Animal Crossing. <laughs> like, I remember when I saw those videos and I was like, dude, I want to be Danny's friend on Animal Crossing. Like, can how we, cool would that be? Can we play Animal Crossing with Danny Trejo? <laughs> so, Danny Trejo, if you're listening, uh, it would be super cool if you came to do an episode with us. We could review one of your favorite movies. Oh, hell yeah. That would be amazing. So. All right. So you guys all ready for your question of the episode? Probably not. Probably not, but this is going to be fun. I say it's, it's a little bit simpler. So put yourself in the same situation as Greta. You were offered this just ridiculously silly, easy job of babysitting a doll. We well, don't know it's a doll. If they've watched this movie and listened to this review, they know it's a, they know it's a fucking doll. <laughs> so let's just say you, you get there just like her and you see it's a fucking doll. There's a list of rules, however, that you that they give you, and you, quote, have to follow. Nice amount of money, giant empty house, you're all alone, except for the person once a week that brings you food, no internet, no cell service, and these people are leaving. They are in a hurry to get out the door. Rules state you can't leave the house. What, what are you doing? Like, do you follow these rules? Do you decide, like, fuck it, it's a doll, I'm doing what I want? I won't lie. I probably would be in Greta's shoes and... No, yeah. you can't be in Greta's shoes because they went missing. <clears throat> Very true. Bram stole them. 
Um, no, I, I honestly, I would probably do the same thing. I'd say, fuck it. I'm just like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to ignore this and do my own thing because they're not here. And yeah. What would you do, though? What is your own thing? What are you doing? That is the question posed. What are you specifically doing? The family is gone. You are there with this creepy-ass doll. Can I bring my video game system? Uh, did they have TV in, in, at all? Did anyone see think, a TV? I don't think they did. Then no. Fuck. A lot of books, then. I would read a lot. Okay. But then you may as well be reading out loud to a creepy doll. I mean... Yeah, I'd be doing the voices and stuff. You start cracking up and yeah. you start making up. percent be doing the voices. It would. I, mean, I would, for sure. You really would. <laughs> Resident DM, it's what I do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you would be reading. Probably, yeah. I mean, I guess that... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would at least be following your rules, at least initially. It would take a while for me to be like, oh, well. <laughs> and, and, and it's too much worried, like, are these motherfuckers videotaping me? Like, are they watching to make sure that I am not, that, you know, that I'm following these rules for a fucking doll? I think initially, like, I would be like, this is too strange. I'm going to go ahead and follow the rules for a little while. And then, like, gradually start breaking them, maybe not on purpose at first, but then, like, okay, you know, give it an inch, maybe another one. Pretty soon, you know, I'm reading and sitting outside by a fire and, like, having a good old time in this giant house. But I probably, I don't know, I think I'd still try and follow some of the rules. To me, the I, I have a fear, like the dolls and puppets and things like that, they creep me out. So that that's just something that has always kind of creeped me out. So I would have also been kind of creeped out by the doll, like carrying that thing around and whatnot. I've been like, eh, yeah, I really don't want to be doing this. Um, that's part of the reason that I probably would be like, yeah, nope, I'm just going to set this thing to the side, make sure I'm not klutzy and drop it and break it. And yeah. Would you have taken the job at that point, though? Would you have looked at that doll and been like, mm, no? Or would you have just turned around and walked right out that door? I'll pay for the taxi cab and get back to the airport. No, thank you. Yeah. I probably, well, if if the family wasn't there and if I had to do my own thing and could just kind of shove the doll in a corner, I probably would have done it, especially for the good amount of money that she was getting. So now, they didn't say how much, but like the sister, I believe it was, said that's more than I make in a month and it was per week. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So, what about you? Oh, I would, would 100% say, fuck these rules. This is a doll. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, would, and I would have so much fun in that house. Like, that house is a blast. Like, I'd have such a great time. I, I would read. I would write. Um, I'd, I'd probably turn into, like, a shining thing just with me and the doll. Like, the doll would be Danny, and I would be Jack Torrance. Like, <laughs> eventually I'd start screaming at the doll just out of sheer insanity because I'm talking to myself and occasionally I get to talk to Graham who is like the Scatman Carruthers in this instance and like like okay, he comes by and goes here's your food how's it going here's your money yeah, no, the delivery Mal- boy Malcolm oh, Malcolm Malcolm oh that's what I meant mm-hmm. Malcolm yeah, I don't think it would be mixing up anything. You're, you're yeah, thinking of Bram, so I don't know. That, that's it. I think I'm mixing that up in Greta, so it turned into Graham. Yeah, so that's their baby. It is Graham, yeah. So yeah, Malcolm. I said that from the beginning. I said Malcolm. So <laughs> when Mal- <laughs> when Malcolm comes over, like I'd have, I'd probably shoot the shit with him, but I would make sure, like, so like they have this, you know, the 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 uh, the Hillshires, They have this grocery list apparently of like bring this shit every week. I'm like, hey, bud. 
how about some fucking alcohol? Like, I, you know, like, I know she, yeah. she has wine, but I'd be like, give me some beer. You come over. We can shoot the shit, drink some beer. Let's go check out the fucking town. And they never said what town they're close to. No, it just said UK, basically. I'm so. assuming it's might be London, maybe as of, I don't know, but like, let's go, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let's go do something. Let's get the fuck out of this house. And then the note's like, oh, you know, Bram can never leave the house and has to, it can't be alone. So they're trying to basically keep her in the house. But for me, I'd be like, no, fuck this. I would like literally be like, well, just in case, you know, like obviously these people are allegedly coming back. So fuck this. We'll just leave this doll here and I'm leaving. Like, hey, then the one thing is, though, how long are they going away for? It didn't say it, it like they didn't even tell her like, oh, hey, well, they're going on holiday. We're just going on holiday. Yeah. I mean, it could be an entire summer that I mean that sure. I feel like holiday is a long thing. For, well, it's a vacation. Yeah. They basically. call it holiday, but we call it vacation. Yeah, but I feel like it's a long thing in certain you know, customs. Like so like a month, a holiday could be like a month away. or something. I mean, but we'll get into their holiday in a little bit. Um <laughs> What a great trip that was. Um, but yeah. 100% though. Like, I think, you know, if I at least initially would look at the situation and be like, well, there's got to be a video camera or something, yeah. security footage. So, you know, they, they have this house. They have, they can afford to be gone on a vacation for, you know, at least a week more. They, they, can, afford, they can afford to pay you that much money to watch a fucking doll. So I'm pretty sure they have cameras around. So <laughs> Probably in the doll, right? right. Like... Well, I mean, think about, like, the eyes and, like, a microphone in it so they can hear and watch you the entire time. Is this dumbass actually doing what we told them to do? Right, like, that's a 100% nanny cam situation. So, 100%. And then they show up and they're like, oh, you passed. Here's the real baby. You're like, oh, that makes so much more sense now. You're crazy. Here's the real kid. Uh, We hid it from you. But you guys are getting fired, so. Oh, that's fine. I'm not, I, I, but they still have to pay me for watching a fucking doll for as long as I did. So regardless, they can't retract that. Watching quote unquote. I don't care. I'm still in their in their fucking giant house. I didn't leave. You know, I didn't leave for good. Like follow these rules. You and then, no, bitch, give me my money. That's cool. Malcolm has been paying me. They're like, give us the money back. You didn't follow the rules. I just kiss my ass. Come and get it. I'll break your fucking hip, old man. Like what are you gonna do? All right. So shall we hop into it? Absolutely. All right. So, um, I think we start off on like a the the car, the view of the car, mm-hmm. yeah, um, the, the, the taxi. Yes. And uh, Greta is the main character, um, and she's in the back seat, and like the cab driver is kind of giving her a look through the rearview mirror. He's leering at. And so she instantly like covers up her cleavage, like up. Oh, he's being a perv. And then and she kind of like tucks tucks back in. Falls asleep. Then we see this view of the house. The estate, uh, which is just a fucking mansion, basically. It's ginormous. And, like, this really cool atmospheric piano. It's not quite the lullaby that it turns into later on, but, like, certainly just creating the mood. Like, you're like, oh, this is going to be a creepy Victorian movie. It's, you know, it's not quite Victorian. It's, we're saying... 2016, 2015. So yeah, like so it's like modern yeah. times. It's just a really nice fucking house. Older house. Um, so the cab driver wakes her up. Well, he keeps trying and he eventually wakes her up. He's like, this is the only way I figure out how to wake. Fucking shake her, dude. Like, <laughs> bitch, sorry. Bitch, couldn't, get out my cab. Couldn't think of any other way to wake you. How about lay on the fucking horn or something? Or like, start the car back up and then just floor it really quick and hit the brakes. Like, 
they're supposed to be in Great Britain, so they're very polite. Yeah, they're not Americans who are assholes. Right. Allegedly. Well, you're the one who just said you would floor it and just hit the brakes right. real quick. So yeah. it's, a good thing. it's a good thing I, he's I mean, not a cab driver. He, <laughs> he, but he takes care of old people, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but her ass was sleeping, and. He was like, well, I don't want to, like, do anything else, but here, I'm just going to rap on the window until you wake up. <clears throat> so then she offers to pay him how much. He's like, oh, it's already been taken care of by the Hillshires, and your bag's already inside. Fuck off. And he gets in the cab, and as she goes inside, you hear the cab well, drive off. And he said, you know, wait in the parlor, is mm-hmm. what he said. So yeah. immediately she goes in. She was like, cool. Because they, they weren't home. Directions out the window. Yeah. Take off my shoes. That's fine. That's what you do if you're polite and American. You don't want to try mud in. But then she's like, well, never mind the parlor part. I'm just going to start snooping. Literally does. Like, does not wait to start to wandering. I was wondering if, you know, I had seen the preview, so I knew she made it a little bit further into the movie. But I was like, this is how people die immediately. Like, right? the first death in a horror movie. Stand here. Wait here. Nah. She's like, well, no one else is home. Not my fucking house. Let's go check this out. And she does. And she goes a wandering. And she hears something upstairs. She does. Yes. And so she kind of goes up and she goes into a, what we can assume is a child's room, toys and everything, tiny bed. Uh, So she's kind of like taking a look around there. And that is when we, I don't know, do we hear him before he says anything? Because she's playing with that dog toy. You don't really hear Malcolm when he comes in. Yeah. I do want to call attention to the toys. Like, those are older toys. Those are probably the father's toys from when he was a little boy, commingled with maybe some of whatever Mm -hmm. uh, this kid is. But they're too old to be just from the age of the child. Well, yeah, because we fast forward, and when we do see a certain thing, there is a date, and I think it was like 1983 that the child was, that, you know, that uh, Brams was born. Yeah. And so, in 1983, like, yeah, these are definitely the father's toys, because, like, this kid should have had, like, if he was, you know, he should have had, like, fucking, like, He-Man toys and shit like that. Like, He-Man toys? I mean, 1980, yes, but she's walking into the situation she's going to take care of an eight-year-old kid. Yes. You know, Bottom line is, yeah, toys don't match the age. So then it's like, you know, you know this family has a fuck ton of money, but the kid doesn't have toys from his era. And you can kind of excuse that, saying, like, maybe they're a little hoity-toity, a little... A little. (laughs) Very hoity-toity. Very hoity-toity, but maybe uh, to the point where maybe he has some organic wood toys squirreled away somewhere, like his parents don't want him to have plastic. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know, you can excuse it a little bit, but, you know, some of those toys look dangerous with sharp corners and... Yeah, he should have had He-Man toys, so I agree. paint yeah. and... Or he should have uh, had Stinkler. Absolutely. That and, like, the Hulk Hogan wrestling toy. And... Yeah, the wrestling buddy? Yeah. Well, that was, like, early 90s, though, so... Yeah. He may or may not have had that pending. Um, but yeah, he should, I mean, there should have been... But I, at the same time, I do get it. It's, it's it, you know, but, yeah, he, he should have... He should have more, like, 80s toys. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see some fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the shelf. Like, fuck yeah. <laughs> that'd be fucking righteous. Uh, so then, um... Malcolm, Malcolm scares the, the shit out away, of her. Scares the fuck out of her. She drops the dog. The dog toy. It was a dog toy. Oh my gosh, Not an actual dog. dog there again. <laughs> this is actually a movie where you don't see a, a dog die. I mean, you see some dead rats, but... 
yeah, no, no pets die. So Nothing, you, when no animal that you actually see die. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> or hear die. You just see dead rats and traps. Mm-hmm. Trigger warning. Yeah. Trigger warning. I mean, pet rats are kind of adorable. So I know probably not everybody thinks that, but rats are very smart and tend to be actually really good pets. Well, so. yeah. I mean, you know. I know, I know a certain rat that raised four Ninja Turtles. I mean, shit. <laughs> so, a great job. Amazing job. Depending uh, if you're looking at the movie or the cartoon, he was either a uh, you know like a martial arts master who was a human and then changed, or he was a rat that touched some of the ooze and changed into Splinter. So, but anyway, Malcolm walks in the room and scares the crap out of the Lita. crap out of her. She's like, Whoa! drops the dog toy. He's like, cool. <laughs> He's like, oh, great, another like, one. I was trying not to scare you, but yeah. So she's a little jumpy. Um, basically, she got caught where she wasn't supposed to be. Yeah, she was not in the parlor. But then again, she's coming from America. So like, what is a parlor, right? Like, how many of us can be like, you walk into a house and someone's like, go wait in the parlor. And they leave you in the fucking, you know, outside the house. In the foyer. No, she was still outside the damn house. She could have been like, oh, they have a beauty parlor in this house? Like, oh, I'm going to go get my hair did. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> I don't think she was thinking that. I'm, I'm being a smart ass. I know. Obviously. But that's, yeah, not many be like, go wait in the living room. Go wait in the den, something like that. That's what classifies a parlor. <laughs> but, you know, she's. I mean, she could have been like, fuck, I don't know. But at the same time, you know, she did hear the noise and go wandering. Hey, who's there? Classic horror movie trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys there? Hello? Dead. So then you see them in the kitchen kind of putting away groceries. And, you know, he's joking around with her and talks about the gift. Uh, you know, some people read palms. Some people read tea leaves. Tea leaves I read. Um, and sees her chewing gum. Chewing gum. Just fucking around joking with her. He's flirting grossly with her. Oh, yes. Spit in my hand. And so he kind of guesses some shit, and she's like, yeah, no. And then he guesses, oh, you have a dark past, you're on the run. And she gets very serious, and she's like, uh, yeah, let's, I'll just throw that away. I also do, I want to mention when he guesses some shit, he says that she's from Phoenix, Montana. That was hilarious. (laughs) So I was like, that's not a place. And 100%, like, if he was flirting with me like that, I would have fallen for it. I was like, yeah, that that's adorable. I like it. So, yep. I am from Phoenix, Montana. You are fucking amazing. This <laughs> is Rupert Evans. And he plays a similar character in uh, Hellboy. Not a horror movie, but yeah, he, he plays this like, you know, not this intimidating alpha muscly male. He's like this approachable, like a goofball school. Yeah, type dude. Yeah. yeah. And, Obviously, I'm, I'm not attracted to that type of person if you guys out there didn't realize. Wait, I'm not an alpha? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! No, no, Podcast sarcasm. Over. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my husband is that exact person, if, yep. if you hadn't noticed already, so. Yep. <laughs> Just muscle bound. And... Yep. I, I was talking about the goofball. Oh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he would like himself to be that muscle-bound alpha because, generally no, speaking, no. those no, people are douches. I don't want to be a douche nugget, so... You don't want to be a barbarian, but 
should we pull the podcast over while we have that conversation? I mean, you could you could probably still be you could still be a barbarian and not be a muscle bound moron. So I don't understand what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I can still rage and not have like giant rippling fucking He-Man muscles. But like, why would you? That shit pisses you off. You're gonna rage and do nothing about it. Not necessarily. You just start like trying to hit somebody that just doesn't even touch weak them. Little weak little you muscles. You don't need super muscles to fucking stab a bad guy. Yeah, that's when you're a rogue and you fucking do it sneakily. No, that's only if you do it sneakily. <laughs> if you get pissed off face to face, I mean, you charge a motherfucker. I mean, I kind of did that in the campaign as a rogue, so I was like, nope, fuck yeah, this. Yeah, and then what happened? I shanked him in the kidney. And, 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 but then what happened to your rogue? Uh, later on. Well, what happened to your rogue? My rogue died. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to our D&D podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Where we talk about... <laughs> Dead Kenkus. <laughs> oh. Pissed off tiny goblins. It's too soon. Too soon. Uh, yeah. So they're putting away groceries. <laughs> Carrots. Bread. In a basket, weirdly. Why, why are they going in a basket? Don't carrots and celery and stuff go in a fridge? Not necessarily. They don't have to. I mean, because fresh vegetables, I mean, if you think about it, they're sitting outside and stuff. Fridge keeps them longer, but yeah. not necessarily. So, But... Obviously, Malcolm knows that these people are going on vacation. He's so, like, here, all this fresh produce. Wouldn't you want to put them in the fridge? I don't know. I mean, fuck if I know. Just to save them. So, I recently saw a meme where someone had scratched out the crisper drawer and it said, like, vegetable morgue. And I was like, oh, that's so appropriate. <laughs> it is. I mean, honestly, like, how many people don't leave something in there until it's fucking shit and you gotta pitch it? Yeah, it's happened. And you see it when it's halfway gone, and you're like, well, I could take it out and make asparagus right now. You're not gonna. Mm-hmm. Just close the drawer and wait for it to be dead. <laughs> yep. Unless it's arugula, then it doesn't hold a place in my refrigerator at all. You don't like arugula? It's like it's bitter and tastes like dirt. Peppery bitterness? Peppery? No, it's dirt. It's delicious. It's dirt. Then again, you can have that argument with cilantro, too. Some people love cilantro. Some people have the genetic thing where it tastes like soap. It tastes like dial. Uh, and honestly, so I can kind of get that. Occasionally, I get that taste. But if it's mixed in correctly with certain things, I'm okay with it. Uh, but I could totally get where people don't like cilantro either because of the soap taste. But arugula tastes like dirt. I don't taste that. You with put arugula. arugula in salad. And then, to quote the late, great John Panette... It makes you thankful for the rest of the salad because the rest of the salad doesn't have a bitter dirt taste. There, there have been times in my life where I've commented on the excellent choice of putting arugula on something. It was a salmon burger, and the arugula oh. was just. Mwah. I've had arugula on pizza before. That was the only time in my life I couldn't eat a fucking single piece of pizza because you couldn't, even when you pulled the fucking diarrhea leaf off, it's still stuck in the pizza. The taste was still there. It's poop. <laughs> All right, folks. So the first thing of this episode, we'd like you to comment just for fun. And we're going to have a poll. Yay or nay for arugula. Why? Because we can. Yeah. Just a nice little quick poll. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Hit us with those Hit us with those emojis or yes or nay or no. Yay or nay. Huzzah or fuck that. Whatever you wish, do you enjoy arugula? 
Fun fact, I've snuck arugula into certain recipes. Yeah, and John I'm sure has you it. probably have. <laughs> well, he was thinking this tastes like dirt, but I don't want to hurt Jen's feelings. Exactly. Oh. I'm trying to be polite. That's love. This That's is, love. It tastes like fucking dirt. I think there's arugula in that kitchen. I don't know. It's delicious. So anyway, they're in the kitchen. In the kitchen. Putting and then, and but then... Hands her the bread. She grabs the, you know, and she says, Yes, we're in the kitchen still. Where does this go? In the the cupboard behind you. Like, turn the fuck around. There's a bread box behind you. Look. She's never been in this house. She She doesn't know what a bread box looks like. Not not everybody knows what a bread box is. Not everybody has had a bread box. Hey, everybody, here's the next poll we can do. Yay or nay on what a bread box is. I, not everybody. I never grew up with a bread box until I was an adult. I didn't know what a bread box was. It was not a thing. Like there is literally a question out there: Is it bigger or smaller than a bread box? I've never heard that question. Twenty questions. Yeah, that's usually the first question people ask in is twenty it questions. Bigger than a bread box. I've never played twenty questions. Okay, so in the kitchen. She, and they she asks about Brahms. So yes. we're getting past the groceries. Uh, she asks about Brahms. And... <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we sat on the groceries for a bit. <laughs> we're about uh, 25 minutes in. Uh... <laughs> it's really important to go through the whole list. Yeah, sometimes you need to go through the whole list of groceries, especially when someone's delivering it. People are turning us off right now. They're like, no. I thought this was a horror podcast. We've learned about groceries. So in walks Mrs. Hillshire. She's like, there you are. This lady's face is enough to make the horror movie the horror movie itself. She she has such a sour fucking face, man. She's got acting chops. Like, whoo, this is is angry mom. Like, irritated English woman. Yes. Sour bitch. Where are your shoes? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, fuck me. I took them off. Sorry. I didn't think in this nice place you want me tracking any dirt around. Mm-hmm. She rolls up to where she thinks her shoes are, but they're gone. And then she's like, oh, it's just Brahms playing a joke. He's, oh, he's very playful. Like, okay, fine. Yeah. And then, and then speaking of Brahms, do you want to go meet him? And then we go into like a side room. I think it's the room with the pool table, if I'm not mistaken. It's the mm. room with the phonograph. Oh, okay. That room. And the, li- the library, it's probably. Pro- I swear, th- this house was like designed after the fucking movie Clue. Like, they took this, or the, the game Clue. They literally took Clue and they went, we want this as a house. They have a billiard room, a fucking conservatory to listen to music. They have a parlor. Like, they, it's, it's literally, it's Clue. I feel like John's gonna want this for our next house. Oh, I would totally live in a house like this. I figured, yeah. With with the doll too. That's he's coming with us. So we go into the room and you see Mr. Hillshire talking to Brahms in like a giant armchair. Looks really comfortable. And the father's whispering something to him. Uh, and then she approaches and she introduces uh, Greta to Mr. Hillshire. And stands up in front of the chair, kind of occluding your view. Yes. And then she stepped, uh, then Mrs. Hillshire kind of steps to, next to him, like for a, for a few seconds, just totally going, there's nothing in this chair right now. Ignore it. And then here's Brahms. Yeah. 
And she kind of giggles. Like, <laughs> kind of fucking... giggles? She giggles like, fuck off. Waiting for the kid to come around the corner or something. Like, exactly. And it's a doll. Yeah, it's just a fucking joke. It is a porcelain doll that is so fucking lifelike, though, minus the super pale... Well, I also have super pale skin. So, so fucking lifelike, then. And... But literally thinks this is a joke until Malcolm comes in. And kind of comes to the rescue. Like, oh, hey, Brahms, nice to see you. Goes over and shakes the doll's hand and, and, you know, oh, treat her good. And, you know, you know, be nice, be nice to her. Be nice to, to Miss Evans, whatnot. And so then she realized, oh shit, this is real. Like, oh shit, they're serious. Uh, And then kind of goes over and, shakes Brahms' hand also and says, I hope we can be friends. While looking at the parents to make sure, like, that's the right thing to say. Yes. Like, yep, yep. I hope we can be friends. <laughs> so then you kind of see, um, basically the mother showing her around, having her practice do things. Like, oh, when when we do this, we get Brahms up in the morning, we change him, whatnot, and we wake him up and do this, whatnot. And she's like, well, go ahead, do it. And so... She's just kind of like, oh, okay, Brahms, wake up, wake up. Oh, would that wake you up? Uh, that wouldn't wake anybody up. Come on, louder. And so she does it again, and she's like, oh, fine, let me do it. The mother, He's not a baby. He's not a baby. Yes. She says, let me do it, but then she still doesn't give an example of how to wake him up. She just no. picks his ass up out of bed and then starts changing him. She goes, I'd let her do it, but then we'd be here forever. Yeah. Bitch. Um, on the way up the stairs, on the way to his room, she said something interesting, like, we've interviewed a lot of nannies, and uh, you're younger and prettier than a lot of yes. them. Like, why does that matter? It's a creepy thing to say. Yeah, he's fucking eight, dude, and it's a doll. And then, so, we talk about reading lessons, then. We read poetry and stuff, and I kind of laugh because she's like, I know all the words to green eggs and ham. <laughs> have to be poetry, dear. And... She has her practice, and oh, it must be in a loud, clear voice. A loud, clear voice, and she's like eyeing her very specifically. And... Yeah, and then the music appreciation, and uh, yeah, he likes it a bit louder than than, than I, I prefer, do. Yeah, but he loves his music, and then you, he, she turns on the music, and it's fucking opera music that yes, so loud. Yes, I mean drinking and and the music. The music is really fucking loud. So is Hannah drinking in the background. Oh, that's fair. She's a dog. And then, so they kind of go to, like, the food then. We don't throw anything out. This is a country home. Do you know what that means? Uh, We're constantly battling the elements and whatnot. Uh, So we put the food in the freezer. So the food that you're pretend feeding the doll Brahms. That you cook. Exactly. To then freeze. Yeah. And then she harps on, like, the vermin, like the rats and stuff. Yeah, we don't. They do this and they don't throw stuff away. And the father kind of shows her outside, like, showing her the rat traps, whatnot. We don't want rats to get in the walls. Brahms hates animals or, like, mm-hmm. hates... Something like that, yeah. Something like that. He's shy. He's shy. He, he doesn't cotton to animals, particularly. Yeah, so they're worried about rats getting in the walls, uh, which we kind of find out later why. Um, and then don't, don't use the fireplace. Don't use the fireplace. The last tradesman we had at the house painted the window shut. LOL. <laughs> Like, what a thing to uh, excuse this giant house that, uh, you know, must be really expensive to keep up, that you allow someone to paint the windows shut and not be like, come redo this. Yeah, exactly. And 
I mean, for the simple fact, let's just even say that these people don't have, like, air conditioning throughout this house. Wouldn't open windows then be amazing during the summertime in that house? I mean, you feel like a big old house like that. A few open windows would create an amazing draft throughout that building. But we're just like, oh, they painted all the windows shut. Well, then there's an interesting moment here where he turns to Greta, the father, turns to Greta and says, I know this must appear strange, and I, and I don't think it came on all at once, just rather little by little. Yes. But for all intents and purposes, our son is here, and, and just looks at her significantly. She's like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, like, she didn't get it. No, and he's like, great. Yeah, like, he literally went, oh, you do get it. Like, you, you get it. And, and, like, literally thought that she 100% understood his innuendo, like, and he's like, oh, fucking fantastic. Then let's go. <laughs> and the whole time, the mother is watching them outside, like, up from, like, the second floor window or something like that, just staring down at them. So I creep. Yeah. I'm a sour bitch motherfucker. <laughs> but, yeah, so then they're kind of Putting Grams to bed, ending their daily routine, whatnot, uh, kind of showing her the thing. And they say, we need a moment to speak to him privately. Can you give us a moment? And so she's like, yeah, sure. And they shut the door and like you hear them kind of whispering, whisper, whisper, whisper. And then they open back up the door and they're like, he wants you. He's chosen you if you'll have him, which I think is the creepiest fucking thing. He wants you, Miss Evans. <laughs> like, she gets a hug from this woman who is, up to this point, shown no warmth or inclination to like her. Yeah. So then it, that night, she's kind of talking to a friend. Uh, and they talk, uh, you know, about everything and whatnot. And then they talk about her ex and, like, the restraining order. And you kind of find out that, oh, yeah, she actually did come here for a good reason that, you know... She had issues with an ex coal uh, restraining order, and basically he's been like threatening her family and friends and coming to the house and whatnot. Uh, and basically, you kind of figure out that she came all the way to the UK to kind of hide from him. Yeah, it's not spelled out yet, but uh, there's a lot of innuendo and mm-hmm. suggestion. Um, and she's visibly upset when she hears that. Uh, this cold person has been by uh, her friend's house. And like, just make sure you do not tell him where I am or what's going on. So kind of go to the next day, and then you kind of see the mother, like, yelling at Brahms. Like, Brahms is acting up. I think you hear something, like, fall and break. And the mother's kind of yelling at him, like, you know, oh, you said you were going to be good. Uh, Greta is kind of observing the mother, kind of freaking out about whatever Brahms had done to make a mess of his room. She's like, you know, she's got to be thinking, like, it is weird that this room is a mess and the mom is freaking out. And, like, did she make the mess? Mm-hmm. This has got to be what's going through her head. like an attention thing. Right. Yes. Um, this lady's obviously off her fucking rocker. Right. Is she doing this for attention? And then the dad comes up, again, very creepily behind her. Yeah. Uh, you know, she. we know that at this point she's a little quick to startle. Um, but uh, he comes up right behind her and he's like, ah, you know, <laughs> maybe not that. He made, you know, he made some words with his mouth, not weird noises. But um, comes up behind her, startles her, and then he's kind of hustling uh, the mom along, Mrs. Hellshire, to, uh, yeah, we got to get ready to go, my dear. And um, it just, it seems like Ron's likes you so much. And, you know, we're, we're, we're excited to be on vacation for the first time in such a long time. And. 
really selling this departure as the what they need to do right now. They can't stick around. And as they're kind of leaving, they're talking. The father seems a little off. It's it, it's important you follow the rules. Uh, they printed out a whole list of rules for her, basically, that she has to follow each day. And so the father seems off, and then basically they kind of say, you know, be good to him, and he'll be good to you. Be bad to him. And the mother and her, oh, she'll, she'll be good to him. She'll be good to him. A little uh, worry in her face, though, when she said that. Oh, though. like freaking out! You're, you're gonna you're like, like, listen, like, read my eyes. You're gonna be good to him. Trust mm-hmm. me. Fucking be good to him. And so they're kind of, you know, of course she's like, yeah, of course I'll, I'll treat him like one of my own. And they hug, goodbye, whatnot. As the mother hugs her, she whispers, "I'm so sorry." On the point of tears, not yes. just. Not just that she's sorry that they're rushing out, but, like, something significant is going on in her head. And Greta just isn't understanding the message that's being put across. Whatever it is. She's just like, but okay. Yeah, she looks overwhelmed. Like, okay, what's going on? Uh, You know, obviously to us, we're like, big fucking red flag. (laughs) So they leave. They head out to the cab. Same cab driver as before, so... Dude must be like a local that it's just like these people pay a shit ton of money. I got this. So they leave and she's like on the porch holding the doll. And they close the door and then like stares at him and it's just like, no offense, but you creep me out. And just like blanket dro- over the head. Drops his ass into the chair, blanket over the head, done with him, and then goes up to her room and pulls out what everyone pulls out from their suitcase, peanut butter and jelly. Like, of course. That's what everybody brings. That's a nice, lovely meal of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and, and some wine. glass of wine. Which actually sounds kind of delightful together. <laughs> like, you get a nice, like, jammy Zinfandel sure, or something yeah. like that. Uh, that actually sounds really good together. <laughs> She's like, essentially, F these rules, I'm going to do me. 100%. Uh, so then she gets up, pours a second glass of wine... I don't think she drinks anything from this glass of wine, and she winds up falling asleep in this chair. She wakes up, and it's nighttime. And then she starts walking and through the house, and she walks past the room where Brahms is, and the fucking blanket is off the doll. What the fuck? Instantly, like, from how she threw the blanket, I would have been like, nope, mm-mm. <laughs> I would have like, something's going on. <laughs> but she like did not really react to that. It's just kind of like, uh, okay, creepy. Yeah. But, and yeah. Like, picks his ass up, walks him to the bedroom, and just like chucks him in the bed. No, in the rocking chair. chair. Yeah, oh, the rocking chair. chair yeah, yeah, you're correct. Into the rocking chair and just leaves. Uh, and then she kind of has that first nightmare. So she has a couple of nightmares through this, and a couple times you're like, okay, is she having a nightmare? Is she not? Uh, and she kind of hears crying, basically, while this thunderstorm's going on, uh, and, you know, looks at the painting of Brahms and the family, and that's her first nightmare. When she wakes up... The hand shoots out. Yeah, hand shoots out of it. Uh, so first, like, jump scare, kind of. Uh, and then when she wakes up, she actually hears crying again. So almost like a child crying. Or is it the storm? Or is it? Yes. Or a peacock. Or... It's probably a peacock. That family probably has peacocks. I think they did. Probably do. Like you hear one when she's out in the woods later on. Yeah. The... Yep. Yeah. Peacock... How'd, that, how'd that noise go again? You heard me. Peacocks have a very unique call, especially males. I didn't I realize. Peacock. Probably the early 
late 20s, late teens. Said you had a pet peacock? Yes. Uh, that was one pet I did not know you had. Yes. Okay, then. What was his name? Oh, fuck, I don't remember. We only, we only have for a short time because it was actually two of them. It was a male and a female. They came wandering in. Um, this is when I sold them at my parents' house. They came wandering in from the woods across the bridge and just walked uh, right into the, the, the area where the ducks and chickens were. And just, there you go. So now we have a, two peacocks. That's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. We live here now, they said. Yeah, and they were there for a while. And like, someone was looking for them. And so they were like, oh, I guess these are yours. Oh, I'm okay. like, don't know. What's a peacock? Never saw them alive. I know. Peacocks are like, we have always lived in the castle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, and I honestly, I didn't know. That's what, what my first thought was like. I didn't know peacocks were around this area, but that makes sense that they were somebody else's pet mm-hmm. that escaped or yeah. whatever. So yeah, people farm them. Anyways, possible peacock noise, possible child crying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't even put together possible peacocks in this movie, but. I want to see your peacock. Cock, cock, cock. Your peacock. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So walks to Brom's room and sees Dawn. It looks like the doll is crying. Like there's a little drip of water on the cheek and she's kind of freaking out. Like, what the fuck? Is he actually crying? And then sees obviously water dripping from the ceiling from... Yeah, thanks. You're you're welcome. There's there's your sound effect for the uh, the entire (laughs) run of this podcast. Uh, so it drips from the ceiling, and she sees it actually hit him. And then... She's like, I'm fucking cracking up, mm-hmm. basically. From there... Your first prank call. Yes, yes. The first phone call, she hears some weird breathing. And that's it, and just hangs up. And she thinks it's Colt. Or Cole. Cole. Mm. Uh, she thinks it's the ex. Is it Cole, or does she think, also, does she think it's Malcolm? No, she thinks it's Cole. Like, she's concerned that it was him. Like, the ex that was calling her. Um, with that kind of breathing in the background. <laughs> I don't know that she really attributes it to anybody. Just yet, like it's just like, a creepy yeah. atmosphere yeah. thing in this creepy old house. Like, because she's certainly not as freaked out about it as she is later on in the movie when when it happens again. No, at this time it's more so like, oh, this is fucking weird, and then just kind of hangs up. And... Mm-hmm. So then Malcolm comes again for the groceries and all that fun stuff. And it's kind of like, you could have warned me about Brahms. Um, is he coming for groceries again? Or, like, why is he there the very next day? With That's a good question. Probably uh, because he had the hots for her. Yeah, I think he actually says that he, you know, decided to make an earlier delivery. Yeah, to check on her, make sure Basically, she was doing okay. Yeah. So, probably because he wanted to bone her, but... I don't know if he would have said that. I think, you know, he's a nice... I don't think he's boy from the village. I don't think he would have said that. But he was obviously hitting on her, and so well, yeah. he was probably thinking in his very, it. Like shy way, but British yeah, he way, was yeah. very British way. I would have fallen for it. Anyways, going on. So she kind of gets the story about the doll, and that she gets two stories about the doll about about the real Brahms. Well, she gets the one right now, just the one. I thought so, yeah, just about the fire. Yeah, just the one story here about the fire. Uh, kind of a coping. Oh, yeah, that he, that he died like 20 years earlier or something mm. like that. When he was eight years old, 20 years ago, there was a fire at the house. He died. And then it's been like this for 20 years that, you know, they ended up getting the stall and kind of a coping mechanism. Yeah, um, and, then, and, then he, and then she's like, Greta's like, oh, so wait, they've been living like this for the past 20 years? And he was like, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. And then he basically offers her a night out away from the house. So not not a date 
you know, officially. Because uh, she's like, well, I just got out of something. Well, he's like, no, I will take no pleasure in this. <laughs> yeah, just a co-worker. Obviously, we're employed by the same people. I just want to show you a good time. But, yeah. So, offers her a not date night on the town. So, she's getting ready on the phone uh, with her sister. And Friend, I, I don't know if it's clear one way or I think it's her, I think it is her sister. Because I think at one point she pulls out a, a photo uh, on her phone, and there's like a banner or something that's like sisters or some shit like that. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, she sees the doll staring from the mirror. Like, there's a mirror that kind of angles into another room, and the doll's sitting on the bed. It's, yeah, it's just, sitting on the fucking bed. Just staring at, at her. Point did she sit it on the bed? I don't well, fucking remember. She did. She moved it from the chair when it was dripping yeah. on her. And okay. Her on his face, and then moved it to the bed. But did she sit it up on the bed? Yeah. Okay. Either way, it was fucking creepy yeah, because so she was like staring directly at the she mirror. She goes and she, you know, shuts her door, and you know, so she's on the phone with her sister, and her sister is obviously leading us into this chick is very predictable when it comes to dates. Mm-hmm. Do you have your coral dress? Are you drinking some wine? Glass yeah, of wine, yeah, and she's like, I know your pre-date stuff. Yeah. Like, this is your thing. This, is, this isn't a fucking date, and it's like. That's a date. Mm, yes, yeah. yeah. So you can tell she's a little bit excited about oh, yeah, it. Oh, absolutely. So. Um, so then she gets off the phone with her sister and goes and heads to the shower, brings her dress in there and her necklace. And then as she's in the shower, you are getting this, like, camera view of something walking uh, you know, through the hall from Brom's room across the hall to her room. Then, uh, like, as she's like, they're showing, then they hop in the shower, showering, and then you see the dress slowly, like, get pulled off the chair it's hanging on. And same with the necklace. And the same then. with the necklace, it gets pulled down. Uh, and then she gets out of the shower and she's like wiping off the mirror, running her fingers through her hair. Yep. And she notices that there is a decent amount of hair that is missing from the one side of her head. Mm-hmm. Somebody cut her fucking hair, a chunk out of her hair, basically. And she's starting to get creeped out. But not enough to go fuck this place. Not yet. Here's a noise, and then good kind of goes out, and the attic is now open. So we get the classic, hello, is someone up there? And I mean, at least it's kind of a threatening, like she grabs the, the pokey stick in order to pull down the attic thing. Well, before we like, get there... Fuck you. Before <laughs> like, we get out to the hallway... Uh, in her room, all the drawers were open. Mm-mm, that was after. That was after she got down from the attic. After she comes down from the attic, after it opens, after the next morning, and she comes and like everything's been rifled through. See, I thought everything was open when she went out. Nope. Like and then everything like was rifled through, and then like because then you see like a blue dress hanging when she comes back down the next morning, and you see like just clothes all over. I thought like. You know, the, it, it was like all the shit was open. So I must have been seeing a totally different part or something. Cause, mm-hmm. Okay, I could have sworn like stuff was open and then she went out and heard the noise in the hallway. No, it's after she gets unlocked from the attic later. So. At this point, she's kind of still second guessing her, her gut feeling. Like, she's like, did I really bring my dress and my necklace in here? Mm-hmm. It's not here. And I'm the only one in this house. And the doors are locked. The windows are painted shut. Like, she's... She's doing this mental checklist with herself, um, and then, like, is looking for her junk. I think that's what it is. I think she's, like, before she hears the noise in the hallway, then she must be searching for her stuff. Like, thinking she brought it in the bathroom. 
Maybe that's what I, I my, my maybe. so I, maybe that's what it is. She's just kind of looking around. It's a bright pink dress. You're yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're not missing that. She's like weird, and then then she hears a noise in the hallway, and she's like, "What?" Yeah, and somebody up there. And then Malcolm, is that you? Or are you fucking with me, basically? Um, and starts getting kind of pissed, and decides uh, for whatever fucking reason to go up the attic steps that are now open and and pulled down. At least she grabs a pokey stick. She grabs the pokey stick as, like, a weapon, quote, unquote. Um, So she's not going up empty-handed, like, oh, hello, who's up there? I'm going to come check. This was a little different. This this whole scene, this part of the movie, played out a little different in the original script. So, honestly, I'm really glad that it came out the way it did in the movie that is. But I guess in the movie that could have been, she was attacked... Uh, this is a tidbit I picked yeah. on the internet, so I don't know how true or not true it is. But I guess at this point, um, she was going to get attacked uh, as she was walking around looking for her stuff. There was, an, I guess, an extended walking around without a towel on situation. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah, okay. So not in the attic, so like pre-attic. Pre-attic. Okay. And then and does end up getting locked in the attic, but... Um, I think it played out better, because then you... You see after she obviously, after the attic scene, whatnot, and Malcolm comes over and checks the house for the attic door swings up pretty quickly. And so it kind of puts that doubt in the mind that like, oh, maybe the attic shut on itself and locked her up there. But it's still, okay. When she, so she's up there in the attic and Mm -hmm. it's shut and she's calling for him. He doesn't hear her. Yeah. Can you see his car outside? He's knocking. He is like, oh, hey. uh, Even though he has a key to the house. But, I mean, she's getting ready. You know, he might be trying to be polite. Like, okay, I'm not going to... Thinks he's getting stood up, basically, and leaves. She's trying to yell from the attic, like, the little flat window. Uh, Brings me back to uh, Christmas vacation. Uh... (laughs) Except there's fun. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, And he doesn't hear, drives off, and she's like, fuck. Uh, Turns around, though. And as she starts walking, it's dark as fuck up there. She sees a shadow. She sees a shadow, like a torso and arms. And it's like right the fuck there. And so she like gets scared, falls backward. Knocks herself out. Knocks herself out and she's out until morning. Uh, Gets up the next morning and she looks over and there's like a shirt like hanging on a chair or something like that. Mm -hmm. But there's a big difference between clothes that have someone in them and clothes that are just hanging on a hanger. And the night before, um, you know, I paused and slowly crept forward through the scene. Like, there's space between the arms and the torso part of whatever. There was substance, but it puts that doubt in her mind. that's, That's okay. So, obviously, we know that it was not a shirt on chair. Yeah. Flat out know that it was something more. There was something... Someone else up there with her. Well, as the omniscient viewer here, but yes. you know she's still she's still feeling that second guessing. And honestly, mm-hmm. if you hadn't paused and slowly crept through that scene, you're still you're still on the wrong foot yes. here. And yes, you might look at it and go, "Oh man, like she literally just fucking scared herself because of a shirt." And then and then you you might just you know just like she did, you just kind of casually wave it away, going, "Well." It was dark. That's weird, but yeah, like it was not dark. It, it happenstance. You know, I got scared because of a shirt. Now that it's light time, you know, it's it's light out, and there's you know everything's lit up. 
now I can see, hey, it's better in the light. Because, you, know, you know, things are always scary in the dark and your imagination plays tricks on you. You're hearing noises and stuff in this giant scary house. So you're going to, you know, your, your mind is going to play tricks on you. And so this is where her mind is now. Like, she's like, oh, I obviously saw this, thought it was something else. I'm foolish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she does wind up getting a hold of Malcolm and he comes over. And- she's the baby album up there, too. Yes. That's really important, I think. Like... After after she wakes up, yeah. yeah. After she wakes up, she sees a suit of clothes. She's like, ah, stupid me. Then she sees the baby album, and she's looking at these pictures of little little Brahms, the real boy, and he's got like a quiet, sad look to him. And she sees the photo that was used to paint the painting in the mm-hmm. hallway. Um, and in the painting, his mouth has like just a a neutral expression. It's yes. not like happy. It's not super sad. But the the picture that the painting is based off of, his mouth sits a little different. It's downturned. He, he looks a little bit more meh than the painting made it seem. So yeah, Creepy Victorian kid. And I don't know if you just heard that a second ago, but I cracked open a new beer. <laughs> so I cracked open a Hoppin' Frog. And be prepared for this one. This is a, a mouthful. More ways than one. Yeah, more ways than one. Uh-huh. Uh, so, <laughs> so the peanut butter hazelnut caramel chocolate cake stout. Uh, and Hop and Frog is a uh, brewery based out of Akron. Amazing little brewery right near us. Um, they have fantastic stuff. So if you ever get a chance to try them out, please do. This one is Mm, delightful. Sorry, I just had to take a sip there. Mm, it is it is quite delightful. Uh, you get a little bit of everything in there. So I taste the hazelnut. I taste the caramel. I taste the chocolate. Mm, let me take another sip. The peanut butter, not as much as the other ones, but it's still pretty damn good. So um, would recommend. Uh, definitely quite quite nice if you like some darker stouts. So I uh, had to throw that little beer tidbit in there. So. This is actually a beer I picked up on the recommendation of um, someone I know at the bookstore. I was talking with him about uh, beers he had had lately, and he was talking about how many words were in the title of this beer. <laughs> Just go to Hoppin' Frog and find their beer that has the most words on the can. That's what you want. Get it. But all of their beers are delightful. Yeah. So. Morris the Crusher is a fantastic beer. Oh, it's fantastic, yes. Uh, and then their um, pumpkins in in the fall, their pumpkin is great. They have a nice scotch ale as well. It's called Out of Kilter. Um, yeah, amazing little brewery. Uh, we are lucky to have it right by us. And they kind of came out of nowhere and have, have really grown since. So. so she calls Malcolm to come check out the house. And he searches every nook and cranny, allegedly. Every, and every nook and cranny. Maybe not every nook and cranny. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. She comes down the stairwell, and she's like, the heck happened to my room? Yeah. That's where she sees her room in shambles, kind of all the doors open, and shit thrown around, and rifled through. It is just full-on disarray of that room. So he checks everything, finds Nothing. Windows painted shut still, doors were locked when he got there, still locked. And, you know, he's not exactly, like, calling her crazy, but he's like, you know, I used to sleepwalk. Yeah. 
Uh, so he's giving her that out. She's like, wasn't dreaming, man. This this actually happened. Woke up in the fucking attic, bud. Like, he's like, well, maybe it's the world's most polite burglar, you know. <laughs> Didn't take a thing, locked up after himself. <laughs> she's like, no, no, no. But she's she's she feels better after Malcolm's checked it out. She feels eh, relatively safe again. Regardless, he kind of stays with her for a while. They start playing pool and talking a little bit. Try to, you know, just help her out and make her feel more comfortable. Yeah, calm, calm the uh, the mood and the situation down. And and this is where we get the second story about Brahms. The double story. Well, yeah, the double story, yes. I love how they describe it. Um, the polite talk. And the pub talk. And, the pub talk. and like, I exactly, like, you hear that and you know exactly what he's talking Before about. Before he's even going to say what he's going to say, you're like, I don't care about the polite talk. Yeah. Fuck the polite talk, Malcolm. <laughs> Give me the dirty shit. <laughs> and so the polite talk, he's like, you know, oh, he was a, he was a good kid. Good kid, tragic ending. Yeah, tragic know? ending, but a great kid. And she's like, in the pub talk, and he's like, mm. kid's a cunt. <laughs> like, Basically, he was... Yeah, he wasn't quite a lovely lad. He was downright strange. And then he goes into a, a thing where he was with the family and at a birthday party or yeah, something. He showed up for a birthday party and Mrs. Hillshire was having a birthday party for the doll. Yes, and she was in there opening gifts and Mr. Hillshire was out getting fucking drunk. So he sat down and, you know, he was going to like excuse himself and leave, but he offered him a drink and stay and keep him company. And then he asked about him. He asked that same question. What is he really like? What was he really like? He says one word, odd. And he'd been muttering, couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, I can't do this anymore. And we kind of see that in the beginning of the movie, too, where Mr. Hillshire is the one that maybe might be a little bit more honest or might be a little bit more hesitant about the whole thing. Where, He's fucking done with it. Like, uh, yeah, where the wife was still kind of hanging on, but at the end did say I'm sorry, whispered it, whatnot, but she's the one playing privy to the doll thing, so he's he's doing it to make her happy. And here we zoom into another omniscient view of the situation. So we're listening to the conversation that Greta and Malcolm are having. I did love this part. I did, too. It was I so good. Too. And, like, you zoom out... And you can hear, like, their words being carried through the intercom system, which you kind of notice on the wall. It's a big rectangle with a bright yellow light in the middle of it. Um, so you see it, and you think, well, that's a weird old house thing, whatever. But then you hear their words being carried tinnily up to um, Brahms, Brahms in his bedroom. Yeah, the doll like, laying in bed. Big dead eyes yeah. stare, and he's like, hmm. How dare you call me odd? But, you know, he's he's listening and absorbing, and you feel that listening, even if, like, the doll isn't moving at this point. But you feel, like, like Brahms is getting, like, he's hearing this shit, and he's getting pissed. Mm-hmm. Just absorbing it all, just biding his time. Yeah, it was, this scene was done so well, though, because you were like, man, if I was that doll, I'd be pissed, too. Like, hearing that, hearing them talk shit about me from another room. And you realize, like, he can hear things from all over the house. Everywhere. It all echoes back through that system throughout that system. the entire and house. And you saw that that node in his house for the intercom system. You saw it in the music room yep. or, you know, the library, whatever room it is, where uh, she was playing music to Brahms in the first place. So he can hear the music no matter where you're playing it from. He could be in his room laying there on his bed like he is when they talked about him. So yeah, that kind of gives a creepy vibe to it, uh, for sure. 
And then I just have here that, like, after the scene, basically, she's on the phone again with her sister or friend or whatnot. I believe sister. And that, basically, Cole has been bugging the family again. And I guess he was knocking on the door or whatnot. And it didn't give a ton of information, but it said, you know, oh, he was banging on the door wanting to know, you know, hey, he wanted to send a letter to apologize. And the 10-year-old nephew, so, you know, his son, you know, her son, Greta's the sister's nephew. son. Yeah, Greta's so, nephew. That is her sister. Yeah, and that, that I kind of took that from that, basically, that it was her nephew then uh, ended up giving him the address so that he could write her a letter to apologize for whatever it was. Yeah, he played the kid like a fiddle. Oh, yeah. I just want to tell her I'm sorry. Well, yeah, and so Greta's like, shit, well, I'm not going to read anything he fucking sends anyway. And she gets off the phone with her. And the sister is just kind of like, well, I'm sorry, you know, he's 10, what do you expect? You know, he was being threatened or, you know, whatnot. He he didn't know. Uh, And, you again, a 10-year-old, you really can't expect anything with that. So, yeah, so you kind of know that uh, Cole now knows where she is, uh, or at least has the address to send her a letter or whatnot. Yeah, but then she, like, you know, right before she hung up, she's like, well, I'm not going to read anything he sends anyway. And she has her second nightmare. This one was fun. Was it fun? Yes, I mean, you could describe it as fun, right? No. How would you describe it, Anne? Not fun. Well... <laughs> I, I, she's hearing voices. I, honestly, I just wrote the word nightmare, so. Yeah, and this is the one where I believe it's, she's. It's not widely spaced nipples in this particular <laughs> I believe this is where she's like looking in the mirror and she hears like a child giggle and you kind of see a shadow run past uh, in the background of the mirror. And that's what I remember of it, basically. <laughs> Yeah, is that she has head turns or something? Or... Oh yeah, she goes to look at the doll, and the doll head turns. Yeah, real like it whips back at her. Like, yeah, and that's again second jump scare kind of deal. Yeah, just a couple jump scares and some creepy child voices in the background. Mm-hmm. So that nightmare happens. She wakes up, and again, kind of hears child giggles again, and you're like, "What the fuck?" And sees, um, like feet shadows at her door she opens the door and her missing shoes are at the door and she's like what the fuck yeah uh, that would have been this would have been my final straw i've been done the shoes the shoes would have done it with the shoes and she goes to the bedroom the and... fucking shoes reappearing after being missing for a few days yeah and she goes to the bedroom sees brahms sitting up at the edge of the bed staring into her room with the with, rules. Yeah, with the yes, rules right next right to Right next, knowing those weren't fucking left there. <laughs> and the phone rings. And um, another creepy phone call. And then basically the, come play with me, Greta. And she come play with me, Greta. Fuck this, hangs up. Calls again. Why won't you follow the rules? And she's freaking the fuck out. And basically, I'll promise I'll be good if you play. Uh, and then you see another shadow outside the door and run away. And... Her door is locked, by the way. Like, it's yes. not like... So her door is locked. She is scared shitless. And he brings her a sandwich. Yeah, because it pulls... And so <laughs> it appears, and then it runs away. And it's like, I'll be good, I promise. And then it leaves. And then you hear it, like, pull a little bit later pulling a chair and it leaves like a chair there or a table. Something. It pulls and, something and there. And then, yeah, yeah you, that's what you hear and then it like walks away 
And then she opens the door, and then sitting on this, you know, table or chair or whatever it is, it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, it's like, I made you a favorite. Oh, it's, 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 fuck you! Fuck you! You don't know what my favorite is, you little shit. <laughs> like, it's a tray. It's a tray. On the yeah, it's a little tray, like a circus tray. Right? Yeah. A tray on the but you know, it's obviously dragged towards yeah. the thing. And you're like, okay, this little doll fucking dragged a tray to outside my door. I thought it was a really nice touch that uh, something, the doll, was uh, humming Brahms' lullaby. It yes. actually plays throughout. Yeah. There are, it's, it's played in so many different like types of plays. It's like really creepy. And it's it's done so well though. There's the piano, yeah. Later yes. on, but now he's humming the lullaby, which you know, nice. I have learned to tune Brahms' lullaby out because at the hospital I work at, uh, literally every time a baby's born, Brahms' lullaby plays. So I kind of tune it out. So I probably seems like hear. a stupid song to play when a baby's born kind of standard though i've actually had been at multiple hospitals that do this that play that when a baby is born and it'll play it twice in a row if it's twins or three times in a row if it's triplets whatnot um so i kind of tune it out sometimes because i hear it so many times a day um but it's pretty standard for the brahms lullaby to play during that time yeah pick a different song if that's, if that's pretty standard let's do something else Let's move up. Like, let's pick up I, don't, song. I feel like I should have looked at the history of this song and why it plays for that more. Well, probably because it's your typical, like, you know, baby song. Like, oh, there's a new Yeah, da, but... da, da, da. Where are you going to play? Like, break on through to the other side? <laughs> How many songs are there out in the world? The, your options are endless. But it's universally recognized as a lullaby. Yeah, it is. Yes. Why? Because it's tradition? I, I guess. I don't know. Well, traditions are made to be fucking broken. So let's stop with that one. And we're going to piss <laughs> off Brahms because obviously Brahms loves it. But don't give a shit. He's a fucking stupid doll. So <laughs> let's pick a different song. Yes. Break on through to the other side. That's the new song you need to suggest. That's actually quite hilarious. I really like that suggestion. I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk to our hospital administrators and see if we can start playing that. Yep. <laughs> oh, fuck. So, oh. so she just starts cracking up at this point, like just laughing and crying and cracking up. Like he just wants the fucking rules to be to be followed, and just kind of realizes this uh, in a crazy fucking way. She realizes, like, oh my god, I'm going crazy. And I guess at that point she goes back to bed because then we're at the next day? Question mark or we're kind of we're I guess backwards in time, just a little bit with the parents. Yeah, yeah you see them on holiday. A wonderful, wonderful holiday at the beach. Well, that's a fucking rocky beach, too. <laughs> like, that's not wonderful. It's the UK, though, a so... Beach. A boulder beach. A boulder beach. Yeah, so you see them basically uh, writing their little note to Greta and to, you find out, Brahms, who Brahms steals the note later. At this point, I don't think we know who the note is to, because they're hunched over it in a... In a hotel room and they're writing and they're signing it and then they're at the beach and they're they're filling their pockets with rocks and we see them kill themselves in the least convenient way possible or i think that's kind of how i saw it they literally just walk into the water with filled up pockets a very british way to drown yourself how is that a british way well they have rocky beaches 
And so, they're <laughs> your pockets with stone, weigh yourself down. And they and they don't want to be messy, I, you know. Is that a British thing though? Not wanting to be messy, yeah. Is that a British thing? Yeah. I wanna say one to the one of the Bronte sisters, their lover drowned themselves and that like they sewed rocks into their pinafore, walked into a river. Interesting. Drowning would be an awful way to, like, kill yourself, though. It's an awful way to go, but, you know, it's less violent and less messy than some ways. Probably took a while, too. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm trying to rip off my coat, like, because I don't want to drown. Well, they were holding hands and walking forward into their Mm -hmm. destiny. It It was very sweet in a cinema type way. But if you think about it in reality, your body immediately wants to fight against drowning and sucking in that water. So your body would immediately like say, fuck this, I'm taking off this coat with all these rocks in it, and I'm getting the hell out of here. But they, they had resolve. Like, if you stop motion that particular scene where yeah. you're writing the letter. They um, were ready. They were oh, yeah, they've been ready. For twenty years, they had been ready. And you, you can see snatches of it, but the whole, the whole snatches, snatches of it, <laughs> a word or two here. But uh, the full. Well, should we read it here? Or should we read it later? Well, I guess we'll read it later. Well, I was gonna say, actually, at this point, you do see most of the note. Once they are underwater, they do go back to the note one final time, and you do see the hefty majority of said note. So it's it's not- just very quickly, so if you're watching it, say, in a movie theater, you can't pause it and read it, things like that. You see, yeah, you see a couple words, love always, mommy and daddy. But mm-hmm. we can wait to read it until later, later on. Yes. Oh, sorry, Anne. No, no, that makes total sense, yes. But, you know, the way they signed it, you know it's to Brahms. Yeah, 100%. So after, after their um, very poshy suicide... Uh, you see a really happy domestic scene back at the creepy old house. You know, they're practically frolicking together. Miss um, Evans starts following the rules. Greta and Brahms. Um, she's reading to Brahms from Jane Eyre. It's delightful. They're playing music together. Super fun. Really sweet. And then playing on the piano. Mm-hmm. And then when they're playing on the piano, in walks Malcolm. Delivers a letter. Just drops, you know, all the mail in yeah. the basket in the kitchen. Well, and like I say, she starts following the rules. I have that basically she ignores the kiss goodnight because she's weirded out by that. And then the next day, Malcolm kind of stops by and is, are you sure you're all right? And it took me, so like I've seen this movie many times and it took me a few times and actually John had pointed out, she shakes her head no while she says yes. So she actually yep. kind of shakes her yeah, head. If you do watch this, when he shows up and he says, are you sure you're okay? She shakes her head no really quickly. While and saying says, yes. And then goes, yes, I'm fine. Oh, I took that as like a shaking herself, you know, oh, out of no, the no, 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 no. It was shaking her head no because she knew that it would hear her if it, if she said something. No, I don't think I don't so. know. I, I mean, I think so. I disagree. And it's possible because after, directly after that, she's like, is there a spirit in here? Can you hear me? Please show me a sign. She's crying. Yeah, because she's upset. She's like, I don't know if I'm cracking up. I don't know if there's actually a spirit here. If it's going to hear me. No, this part was kind of neat then. So basically, she's, she's sitting there with her like peeled pear or whatever fruit it was. I believe it was a pear. It was a pear. 
after, you know, Malcolm leaves and, you know, she kind of says no to a night on the town, like, oh, I'm supposed to stay here, basically. And she was really cool and distant with him. And so she is sitting there with this pair and she's like, if there's a spirit here, please give me a sign, please. And she's crying and she's kind of cracking up. And she's like, am I fucking crazy right now? Yes. She goes to throw the pair away. There's a big no-no. She hears tap, 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 mm-hmm. footsteps. And she looks around. Rob's is fucking missing. Fucking gone. Sees him around the corner just kind of standing. Yeah, he's like in the, in like the doorway of the kitchen in the hallway. And that's when she basically calls Malcolm again, says, listen, you need to see this. I thought I was crazy at first. I thought I was imagining things, but you need to see this. And he thinks she's crazy at first. Well, I think there's been some time elapsed between that lunch. Yes. Oh, 100%. Because she's had time to practice, like, the The tests. The tests that she's been doing, where she's been drawing little chalk circles around his creepy little doll body, (laughs) leaving the room, (laughs) and then playing hide and seek. And then and that's what she tells him because when we see when we go in the room we see Brom sitting there with like the chalk line drawn around his ass and his legs um, and then she's like just what and so she erases it sets him back down draws a fresh line so she's like so you know I'm not cheating draws a fresh line around him closes the door goes into her bedroom knocks on her wall a couple of times and goes back and Brom's is still sitting on the floor and he's like starting to go like okay I think like. I'm done with the No, 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 please, please, one more time. One more time. And she's given Brahms a pep talk. I know you're shy, I know, but I need this. I need for you to show. Or else I'm gonna leave. I have to leave. And goes, shuts the door again, goes into her room, shuts the door, knocks on the wall again. And you hear like like something slide and then some movement. And then she kind of gets really excited and goes, back into the bedroom, opens the door, and he's gone. He's no longer in the chalk line, and... She's so excited! So excited, and, like, the look on Malcolm's face... Like, what the fuck? Yes. Originally, he's like, yeah, okay, I don't believe this. And when this door opens again, he is just like, holy fuck. Uh, And then they go, he's like, where is he? Where is he? She's like, I don't know. It's a different spot every single time. And then he's, like, behind the door sitting on the radiator. Ah! Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Was that the jump scare you were talking about, Anne? It's one of them. Okay. <laughs> so then they kind of all, they, they kind of, like, almost start, like, celebrating, like, oh, this is really happening. This is really a thing. Like, this doll is, is literally haunted. And then they go for a nice walk, like nice one does. Walk. Um, Out on, like, the, the veranda. The veranda. <laughs> <laughs> the portico. Um, so they're walking, and, and she finally is like, okay, I can trust this guy with my backstory. Yes. Gives him the full scoop on Cole, her ex-boyfriend, the baby that she lost mm-hmm. as a result of his abuse. Um, and, you know, she is running away. Uh, and so, you know, he's he's touched that she shared this, this piece of herself with him. Uh, she's starting to feel safe. She's starting to feel like, okay, this is somewhere I could belong. I understand this weird spirit doll, but it makes sense to me now. She feels like she belongs there and that she was meant to be there because of this spirit in the house uh, and the lost child and whatnot. And that it just, it works for her because of the lost child. So they have a little smooch on the veranda and then cut to, cut to her room and they're doing a little more smooching and crawling backwards on the bed, all romantic-like. And you see 
again, that omniscient view of like something scuttling up to the door, looking through the keyhole. And then suddenly there's loud music coming from downstairs in the music room. And they go, what? What is that? And they, they go down and Brahms is seated very properly. But the they top. don't see him right away. No. Cock blocked by a doll. They're like, this music, oh my gosh, yeah, it's loud. It's so fucking loud. And then they like go in and that's when they see Brahms sitting there. And it's like, you know, and that's exactly what Malcolm was thinking. He's like, this fucking damn possessed toy just cock blocked me. Well, that, and he's a little bit suspicious too, because then, you know, after all of this and she's, you know, like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. I should be taking care of the doll he's and whatnot. He's a child. Yeah. And he tells her basically the third story about Brahms. The, is the full story. That maybe he's not, if it is a spirit, maybe he's not a good spirit. Uh, about basically the little girl that Brahms was friends with, quote unquote. Emily. Yes, and that, you know, maybe during this whole time that maybe he hasn't been a good spirit that when he was a little boy, the little girl would come over to visit and the little girl went missing after one of these visits, was found weeks later with her skull crushed in. Out woods. Yes, and that Brahms was going to be questioned and that they suspected Brahms and that when the police arrived, the house was in flames. And you can see that on the exterior of the house. Even when she first drives up to the house, there's smoke and fire damage to a window on the outside of the house. Um, So you're already thinking, like, something, Mm -hmm. something is up with this house, something. And I think I had already attributed... Brahms not being there to a fire, even before hearing this part of the story, because of that damage to the exterior of the house. And see, yeah. me, I actually never noticed that until later on, after watching it a few times and whatnot. Um, the original time I watched this, I never actually noticed that. But basically, he's basically saying, you know, be careful. Even if this is a spirit of Brahms, whatnot, maybe it's not a good spirit. Maybe something malicious is going on. And... Possibly, like, he's just pissed off because he was cock-blocked. But she, she's like, I don't believe he would hurt me. I just, I do not believe that the that Brahms would hurt her, even if he is a spirit. She says it really convincingly to Malcolm, but then she goes to tuck in Brahms. She's a little less convinced. She's like, you wouldn't hurt me, would you? You would never. And then here's some pool balls wrestling. And uh, it was like... Malcolm, is that you down there? Goes down and finds Cole, the oh. wonderful... Oh, we're missing the attic. Oh, oh we're, what, what about the attic? She goes back in the attic. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, looks at the photo album and sees the pictures of Emily, the girl that went missing. Mm-hmm. So she's rifling through the same photo album that she's like, she stopped halfway through. Who stops halfway through looking at a creepy old photo? Rifling through shit that isn't hers again. Well, she was stuck up there and then the, the attic opened. So she was like, fuck, I'm out. Okay, cool. Uh, but now she's looking at it like, hmm, maybe I should look deeper into this. So she goes through the rest of the photo album and she sees pictures of, of Emily, the little girl, and Brahms. And Brahms is like side-eyeing Emily with like just a creepy deadpan face 100 dead like no emotion in this kid dead ass eyes similar to the portrait basically the portrait photo the mm-hmm. one that was put into the portrait with the mother and father so a downturned face not 
you know, not no no real strong emotion like what you would expect if you're celebrating your eighth birthday party. Yeah, well, yeah, it was his birthday, yes. BFFs. Yeah, but because in the photo she's like front and center, so I think that was like a little bit of a jealousy thing, like they're paying more attention to her than me right now. This is my birthday. But then yeah, then then and I I, I feel like maybe this is the next day or something, but. I don't remember. I don't. Passage of time. It does pass really weird in here. So that uh, that is understandable because it's like, has it been hours? Has it been minutes? Has it been a day? But exactly. But regardless, she hears uh, pool balls like hitting each other. Thing against Malcolm goes into the billiard room and it's fucking cold. The first thing he says, who's Malcolm? She had been calling. Yeah, calling Malcolm. Malcolm, is that you? Comes in holding the doll, holding Brahms, and, you know, oh, is this the little guy that you've been watching? And then sees that it's a doll. Oh, is this a fucking joke? And, and she was kind of like, blue, I'm like, like trying to please him. And she's like, yeah, kind of weird, huh? Like, like you can tell she's scared, though, oh, too. Oh, 100%. Oh, well, this will make it easier. You know, I was going to try to convince you to come home with me and blah, blah, then blah. Have to figure out what to do with the kid. This is so much easier. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, you can tell during this whole thing, it's like he's just such a douche. Like he's your typical controlling asshole. Just the apologizing. Oh, I'm sorry. It'll never happen again. Blah, blah, blah. And that, you know, oh, yeah, you. I already bought us tickets. We're going to go be going home. Like, not a question. Mm -hmm. Not a question. You are going to be going home with me tomorrow. And very controlling, very demanding of her. And typical douchebag trying to convince her of everything and whatnot. So she's she's terrified. And I think she's trying to put up a really brave front and, and trying to be as normal as possible. Yes. Maybe for herself, maybe for the doll in a weird way. Mm -hmm. She seats him at the table Mm -hmm. and she keeps side glancing at him. So like, I think she's telegraphing her fear to this doll in a weird way. Um, She's kind of hoping that um, the doll that he's going to almost like read her thoughts and her, and her feelings and her fears and like hoping that it will register and then Brahms will do something of it. Uh, and you, you get a little bit more of that in a minute or, mm-hmm. or so a in the movie. But, um, but then Malcolm stops by. Yep. You know, he's maybe kind of a love interest, so he's he's stopping by checking in. But he did bring the groceries. Mm-hmm. Not the groceries, thank goodness, because honestly, like... Well, yeah, she she actually does a very smart thing. Oh yeah, do you want to go over the inventory? Yep. We'll we'll be right back. She does a very smart thing to separate gets, herself gets away from Cole. From Cole, and that is a very smart thing for anybody in abusive Except relationship. Except the fact that they don't go terribly far from the billiard room. True. To talk shit, and they talk way too fucking loud. So basically, Malcolm is concerned. And uh, what if what if he gets aggressive again? What if he hurts you again? Whatnot. Uh, and she says she has a plan. And Cole, is, he comes out and he starts walking towards, and she's like, okay, yep, yeah, looks good. And then, you know, they awkwardly, like, like Malcolm kind of keeping chill, like awkwardly shakes hands with Cole. Hey, nice meeting you. And then he leaves. But well, goes to sleep out in the car because he's her safety, fucking, yes. yeah, he's fucking concerned so about her. He's really smart and compassionate, and she's trying to be really smart. That's like, 
you know, ordering a Blue Angel at a bar, and, and then the bartender helps you out the back door to a cab, yeah. or ordering a pizza by calling the police. Yep. So, you know, a trick that she must have picked up or, or just known to do because she was able to get away from Cole the first time. And he's found her again, so she's trying her best to get out of mm-hmm. it again. And luckily, Malcolm kind of read into this situation, like, and, you know, he, so he's playing along as well. Uh, so she goes back into the billiard room with him, kind of, like, reassures him that Malcolm's nothing to worry about type bullshit. Brings him some... Brings him a pillow and a yes. blanket. Are you going to be good? You know, he's like, oh, so I guess I'm not sleeping in uh, in bed with you. And then she picks up Brahms and kind of starts first, heading out. First he grabs her. He's like, I need to know you forgive me. You're not leaving me. Make sure you're packed and ready by morning. Yep. Like that very controlling. I'm like, oh, God, that fucking douche. Like he's that. A dick. Yes, yeah. Um, so regardless of being okay and sleeping in the parlor or whatever... Uh, he, you know, is still that controlling, like, mm-hmm. I need to know you forgive me. Like, not asking if she does, just need to know. It's, that it's you one do. of those, you better fucking, you know, say you forgive me. Yes. Yeah. You know, she's not able to. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that's a big step for her to, you know, say that to his face. Yeah. Like, she's terrified, but she still says it. Yeah, and understandably, too, because, I mean, she lost a child because of it. So, so uh, she asked Brahms for help. Well, so she's laying in his bed with him yep. and asked him, you know, for help to, you know, please help her. And then you see, I think it just kind of goes into, like, early the next morning and she's laying in. Yeah, yeah. And she's laying in bed, and then she she hears Cole screaming. Yeah, you see Brahms kind of like the the bird's eye view, kind of like that you've seen mm-hmm. before. View he he leaves the bed and leaves. Yes, uh, and but that's all it shows of Brahms. Yes. Uh, so then the next morning, you know, he's screaming. It's I don't know if it's morning. It might be the middle of the fucking night still. It's still dark. Brahms dripping on his cheek. Yeah, it's like, it's like drops of blood. He starts screaming and. She runs down there. Greta, get your ass down here. And she's like, is this, you know, is this, he's like, is this a fucking joke? And there's dead rats in his suitcase. And in blood on like a window or like above him, it says, get out. Yep. And she's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Bra- and she brows and starts walking. And he's sitting in the room again. Mm-hmm. Starts walking over to him. Uh, she picks up Brahms and kind of like starts kind of get out of the room. And he's screaming at this point. So Malcolm hears this, runs in, because he's been kind of waiting just to make sure Greta's safe. You know, Greta's begging, please give me the doll. Um, Cole has grabbed Brahms, and they're sort of wrestling. He's, like, making motions, like he's going to smash this. And obviously Greta is protective of this doll because she believes it's a spirit. She believes the little boy's spirit is... In it. Yeah, and she's protective of the child yep. in general. Very protective. Please don't do this, whatnot. Um, Malcolm runs in, like, oh yeah, what are you part of this? You know, blah blah blah. And he's like, get you know, get your shit and get out, basically. Malcolm tells Cole, Yeah. Get out. And Cole just fucking rocks him in the fucking head. And then he grabs the doll by the legs, gives him a nice swing on down. I think a chair or something. Its head just explodes. Porcelain head, some dust explodes. And it's like a slow motion. And you see this look of sheer horror on Greta's face as it's the dog. Yes, as it's coming down and it breaks and she starts like screaming and crying. 
And then, like, the house just starts fucking creaking and shaking. Well, you hear noises behind the wall, the yep. lights flicker. Um, and, like, frames start getting moved, like something's moving really fucking quick. And then he's listening, they're all kind of standing and listening, and it's kind of moving around, like, the room. And, and then he's, like, walking up close to a mirror, and he's basically, like, signaling, like, there's something behind this mirror. He's like, wait, let me listen to this. And then the fucking mirror just explodes. Cole gets knocked backwards and onto the floor, and then you hear the little voice again. Greta? Greta? And then we see a full-grown, dirty-ass dude in a porcelain doll mask crawling out of the fucking wall. It matches bra. It's bra, yes. It's dirtier, it's more weathered. It's awful. I have to say, uh, the first time I watched this, I was not expecting it. So for most movies, like I kind of can pick up on some of the twists and shit that come. I'm kind of usually really good for that. I'm like, ah, yeah, that's going to be the twist. So I usually can pick up on things. This movie, I did not. That twist, I did not see coming. Uh, And so as soon as I saw this, I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah, I think that twist was probably one of the most unexpected twists of any horror movie I've ever seen. Like, I feel like M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong would have been like, what the twist? Like, it probably confused his ass, and he's known for his movie twists, so... I still remember showing this movie to John, because I had seen it first. I showed John, and John is famous for asking questions the entire movie. And I was like, nope, nope, can't tell you. Can't tell you. Because I usually do figure shit out of what's going on before the movie ending and or the twist hits. I'm like, nope, I cannot tell you. this one, I was literally on the edge of my seat, the house is shaking. I was like, oh my god, we're going to see this fucking, this ghost is going to come on full on, be super pissed off, probably going to be a demon or something. Nope. Just the fucking shaggy old dude in the wall. Zoinks. Who broke my doll head? Like, just, and this dude is pissed. And like, he jumps at fucking Cole, and he's like choking the shit out of him on the ground. Stabs him with part of well, the porcelain mask. Malcolm comes up first, oh, yeah, and he's yeah. trying to get him, and he just, like, knocks Malcolm back with, like, a hit. It's like, fuck, this dude is strong as shit, man. And Greta comes up, and she even shoves her back, and he picks, he sees a, you see a piece of the porcelain, the doll head on the chair, and he picks it up and just stabs Cole in the fucking jugular with it. He doesn't yep. stab him, though. He, he, he stabs rips. and, like, rips and grinds yes. in there with the sharp side of the the porcelain doll mask and you know everyone was upset cole was upset greta was upset malcolm was upset but i don't think at any point that it did turn murderous on the part of greta and and um malcolm at this point like in some horror movies like the protagonist is driven to the point where there's no other answer but to murder this guy and they hadn't gotten there yet and and no they hadn't and Brahms was like, I got this, and he had arrived. Yep. Like, he had arrived at that this. point. Well, the final thing was, like, you fucking broke my doll. Yeah. You broke the fake me. Yeah. And so Brahms took care of it. And, and you're fucking with my Greta. Yeah. Because at that point, he was very controlling he and possessive, possessive of her. Yep. And, like, Greta, like, runs over to Cole, who's dying on the fucking floor, like, in tears. Because, I mean, like... Even he, in her mind, didn't deserve that shit. No, it's horrifying. And then he did. grabs her. He, he did. He did. He well. did deserve it. But, yeah, so he grabs her, and, you know, and then uh, at this point, I think Malcolm comes in back in. Yeah. And fucking clocks him in the head. So he knocks him down for a second, and they take off. 
And then they start making really stupid horror movie choices. Yeah, you got the front door was right behind them. So the front door I thought they were up in Brahms' room for some reason. But anyway, they're like, wait, let's run upstairs. Yeah. Oh, don't do that. Like, to Greta's room where they do lock the door. Well, they lock the doors, but And then he you see him outside the door, the door handle sh- the door's shaking, he's pounding on it. And then he they, they kind of do that this I really love how they do this in horror movies. They show the like the wall, they, they pan the camera as you hear the movement, and he's coming to her fucking closet. You realize, oh shit, he has access to the closet. But, like, how would you not suspect that yeah. after seeing him explode out of a wall? Yeah. Like, dumb. It's stupid it's, horror movie thing where, like, oh shit, this is as sudden, and like, oh shit, and then you make the realization, shit, he has access behind the walls. So, this reminded me a lot of, uh, actually, in M. Night Shyamalan movie, Signs, where they're in the basement hiding from the alien invasion. Mm-hmm. And they're, oh, this used to have a coal chute in this basement. And they're like around the perimeter of a room. And they come and center on the little boy. And then there's his hand. And like, yeah, I was like, well, there's totally going to be access to the room that Always. they just locked themselves into. Yep. Idiots. So then they attempt to they go and shut the closet door, but there's no key to this. There's no key, and then they're like, let's try the windows, which we've already established several times, yes. don't open. So, again, don't. And then they're like, here's where Brahms came from, let's dive in that hole. Yeah, like, let's go to his room and shut the door, can't find the key, so let's run into this fucking hidden doorway, because, hey... This is new. He won't know we're in here. He's been living in the walls for 20 years. He knows this house inside and out. They don't realize this at this point, but yes. It's just a, it's a means of escape from him. So they start going through these walls as quickly as possible. They find his room in the walls. They, yeah, because they, they climb up a ladder and they go up. She's freaking out because she sees a doll in the bed that, with... Like, resembling her with her hair and her her dress dress, on. Her necklace. Laying in his bed. And then they find the letter from the parents, basically. Like, the girl is yours now. And it's like, god damn. So, notice the alphabet letters on the doll in the bed? No. I did not, no. Like, there was a lot of creepy stuff in this room. He had his own microwave and fridge. um, fridge, So, like, he could get the frozen food and stuff. So, uh... He wasn't ever allowed to be out of the walls. He was always behind the scenes. So the only love and affection he got was watching his mother and father interact with, with this doll. Yep. And how isolating that must have been. I think he's he's damaged. Uh, just really no emotional development beyond that of, of the child that he was. Yeah. Um, so the doll that's in the bed has... Um, the magnetic letters on the arms. There's animal magnets on the wall. Um, I don't think I, I didn't, I've seen that movie so many times. I don't think I've ever noticed that. I was like, ooh, an alligator. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he was eight years old when, you know, he died. Didn't die, but did get burnt. Got burnt, maybe. Or maybe they just no. set fire to the room and then shoved him in the wall. No, he did get burnt because at the end, you see the broken mask and you see his, his burnt face. face. Is scarred. Oh, his face is that. scarred. So he did get burnt, but he didn't die. Uh, but, I mean, then you're thinking for the next at least 20 years, this little kid grew up having to stay in the walls and his parents probably going, hey, if you come out, they're going to come arrest you. 
And that's why, you know, why the rules, why she can never leave, why, you know, why the windows are painted shut so he can't accidentally be looking out a window. Mm -hmm. It was for his safety. In a sense. Also looking around the room, there's a bunch of huge, creepy animal traps, like bear traps. And like yeah, all over the Hanging place. from the ceiling. Yeah. Like, what a terrible choice. Of I, don't think I, I don't think I realized that either. Mm-hmm. I did see that. Just a, a terrible room. Really creepy. And like, oh. And she grabs the letter because she sees it says to Brown. She's like, those motherfuckers knew. Yep. Well, and honestly, so like you think about like the, oh, Brahms hates animals. At the beginning of the movie, even, they, they talked about, like, the rats and stuff. Brahms doesn't really like animals. And, yeah, you're thinking, okay, yeah, he doesn't like rats and vermin and things like that. But that's just a classic serial killer fucking thing that, you know, issues with animals, killing animals at a young age, whatnot. That, to me, also screamed, like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, classic serial killer right there. Uh, so, again, the traps kind of make sense there, too. So you kind of wonder, at least I wondered, like, is Emily and now Cole the only human victims he's had? Or have gardeners gone missing? Have tradespeople gone missing? Yeah, they never, they never, uh, you know, delve into that. Um, so you're thinking that Cole might be the, the second human that he's ever killed, but you don't know. They leave that open. It's probably like that on purpose. But we know for a fact that, you know, he was eight years old when he killed Emily, and then the house fire, and now he's living in the walls. But that's all you really know until the moment he explodes from the mirror. Right. It's just, it's really ambiguous. And, I, you know, I kind of like that in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that, and you know that lots of people have applied to become the babysitter. They haven't had a babysitter in years. So maybe the people that applied went missing and, oh, yeah, they just haven't had one in years. So it's questionable. It's questionable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's possible. But, I mean, she was, uh, Mrs. Hillshire was aware that these other ones. They've had them that didn't work out because they were older and not as pretty and stuff like that. So it could have just been like he he went, no, I don't want them. Like, well, and the whole oh god, the he wants you if if you'll have him, basically. Yeah. Think that fucking creeped me out. Yeah, knowing what you know now at this point in the movie, it's like ugh. And then her, her hugging her and crying and whispering, "I'm so sorry." It's like you bitch. God damn it. <laughs> Old cunt. <laughs> Both of them, though. Like, the father was so ready to be done with it. That's why he was like, oh, we gotta go. Time to go. Like, he was so done. So, the chase goes on. And they go all throughout the walls. And Brahms, like, eventually finds them in the walls and just, like, charges through. And I think it, like, basically almost hits Malcolm or hits him at some, you know, yeah, to nice. some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of, and then they continue to go. Malcolm kicks him in the fucking face. And Malcolm kind of, they find an out. Malcolm kind of stands up and says, you get out. I'm going to stop him. So allows her to kind of escape while Brams attacks Malcolm uh, and ends up knocking Malcolm out. She escapes and then he screams, basically, if you leave, I'll kill him. So Brams threatens and says, if you leave, I will kill him. Uh, so she's kind of running, gets to the gate, and realizes, shit, I can't leave. Well, yeah, because she'd have Malcolm's death on her hands. Yes. No, she's, I, I think at that point she's like, i got to face mm-hmm. this terrible thing that I'm afraid of, but it has to be done. Yep. It's kind of an analogy to, you know, the 
abuse and shit that she went through before too. You know, I have to face it and be strong and, you know, get around it. And so. get out. Yeah, absolutely. So she heads back, gets in the house, and starts like going through the first like the drawer that's right by the like the table that's there and finds a screwdriver and like tucks it in. First she's holding it, but then she like tucks it in her waistband because coming up behind her we see Brahms coming through the darkness in the hallway. When we see like she starts to play his game. She's like, oh, yeah. see, I didn't leave you. Yep. It's hey, it's time for bed. She, he comes up and he in her fucking face. Oh, yeah, creepy, like, trying to kiss her or whatever. It is time for bed, Brahms. There's a very similar tactic used in another one of my favorite horror movies, Red Dragon. Oh. When, um... The uh, what's his name? The the tooth oh. fairy killer mm-hmm. is at Will Graham's house. Yes, and he's got Will Graham's little kid in his hand, and Will Graham knows the tactic. He's like, mm-hmm. "Okay, I'm gonna start attacking him at his weakest point." And for Brahms, that's his uh, his routine. The rules, yep. you know, you see those throughout. You know, his creepy little room on the walls, and you know, he's like, "Oh, my my babysitter is telling me it's time for bed." So okay, this is what we're doing. And he's mm-hmm. like. He's a little off kilter, but there's rules to follow, so he's got to follow him. Greta's following him right now, so he falls into that pattern. And you know, you see that in Red Dragon right there, where we're, we're um, yeah. calling the Tooth Fairy the dirty little boy, and I'll cut it off. And well, like, her, his son, he's calling his own son that yeah. in that movie, just yeah. in order to, I guess, trigger the Tooth Fairy. Trigger the Tooth Fairy, put him off his game, uh, bring him back to when he was a little boy being told that by his own grandmother. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting parallel there. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense from a psychological standpoint. Yeah, for sure. So she goes upstairs with Brahms and, you know, tells him to get in bed under the covers and, like, starts pulling the covers up. Kiss? And he, kiss? And, kiss? She, and she's like, no, you've been bad. No kiss tonight. No kiss tonight. And then he says it again and he grabs her fucking wrist. Kiss. Yeah. Yeah, and so like he lay, he lay, but he's sitting up at this point, and he lays back down, and she like leans in to kiss him, and then with the mask still on, he like kisses her on the lips, and then she tries to pull her closer, yes. like really, and then she just fucking shanks his ass with the screwdriver right into his gut, and he gets pissed, throws her against the wall, gets up out of bed. Grabs her, picks her up, and starts choking her the fuck out against the wall. And this really cool camera effect of like yeah. her starting to black out, and she keeps looking down. And you get this, it's like seeing it's the screwdriver, and then his eyes are fucking just bloodshot. And then she finally is able to get a hold of the handle right before she passes out, and she just jerks this fucking screwdriver all up in there, and he falls down to the ground. She falls, gets up. At this point, you see also the mask that he was wearing is broken, kind of like we were talking about earlier. The mask is broken. You see his half-burnt face, basically. So this mask is covering his burnt face from the fire previously. And you find out he's been the Phantom of the Opera the whole time. Uh, But he's not. He was French, and this guy was British. Um, (laughs) So, you know, and then very, you know, just classic movie. Like, what? I would have stuck him again. Yeah, no, she just fucking runs, leaves, goes back, and gets Malcolm. Gets Malcolm, wakes him up, then they're in the car. But here's where they should have paused mm-hmm. and burnt the place to the ground. Yep. Valid. But, like... Like any good horror movie, there's always a final fuck-up. 
They're like, let's leave the door open for the possibility of this happening again. Yes. And, and a sequel that pretty much sucked. So. And they are driving down the road, and then we go back to the house. Oh, they're driving away to the minor lullaby. Yes. And then we see the final piece of Donald Brahms's face being set back in by someone with the lullaby still playing in the background. You see kind of the sweater. It was the same sweater that the Brahms was Brahms wearing. Was wearing. Brahms was yes, wearing. yes. He's probably not dead. Man, that would have been awful, an awful life. Because I, you're looking at these sweaters, right? They're old man clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could never have like little boy clothes. That's true. He would have had to wear his father's hand-me-downs yeah. for his whole life because how weird would it be for the mom to be going to get yep. larger and larger clothes yep. as he's growing up? Yep. Yeah, because, I mean, like, you could explain, oh, yeah, I'm buying these clothes for the doll, for Brahms, and but people after, would be like, okay, yeah. But they're, after they're the, the time, song. he no longer fit in the doll Brahms' clothes. Yeah. And so you can't go out buying fucking, you know, adolescent and teenager clothes he was wearing the father's shit because otherwise, is that kid still alive? That kid murdered that little girl, so they couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And then that also explains the toys too. The like, lack yes. of toys, yes. lack of contemporary music. Why they would have had anything, any interest at all of a younger person? Not one flock of seagulls album. The <laughs> um, no Queen. Nope. <laughs> Just all old poshy shit. It's all opera all music. Opera classics, yes. Yeah. But it's so sad that they saved his life for a life like this. That's a life of misery. And, you know, and, and, and as a child, he would have been in trouble. He would have gotten counseling. Mm-hmm. He probably would have been taken away. To some sort of an asylum back then. Parents, but, but he probably would have been better off. Not even back then. So we're talking this early is 90s. Yeah. Early ni- 1991 is what the, the headstone yeah. said that he died. Yeah. So 91... The kid would have had a far better chance not being with those fucking parents, catering to that shit. Yeah, he might have been a sociopath or whatnot his entire life, but again, he would have had psychotherapy and basically therapy to try to help him with those issues. They had a better chance. And they, you know, and they know they've done damage. Like, mm-hmm. did we read the the letter? You read the letter. Oh no, you read the letter. You have it written down. I did. So I- <laughs> you paused it and you read the fucking letter. <laughs> of course she did. And so John is reading her notes. All right. Our dearest son, words cannot describe our heartbreak as we leave you now. We will not be back. We simply cannot bear to live with what we have allowed you to become. The girl is yours now. She is yours to love and care for. Love always, mummy and daddy. That's so sad. It's heartbreaking. It is. In so many different forms. Yes. What we have what we have allowed you to become. Yeah. So I mean it's origi- not fucking fault. Well, originally obviously he had some seeds of darkness in it, as we've seen with multiple serial killers in the past, that from the get go they have had psychological issues and sociological People issues. Swept it under the rug. And, yeah, people are like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then, boom, by the time they're in their teens, they've killed animals. They've killed people. And they're like, oh, they're just kids. They're just kids. They just keep sweeping shit under the rug until it becomes a big problem to where people are dying. See the TV show Dexter. 
uh, where the parents were trying to, or the dad, not the mom, but the dad was finding outlets for. Yeah, let, let's find an outlet for this. Yeah. And and as a TV show, that worked fucking great because you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, let, let's kill these pieces of shit. Criminals that deserve it. And you're like, oh, well, from a police standpoint, yeah, we're getting rid of these assholes that whatnot. But realistically, this person is still a sociopath and still has those murderistic tendencies and are killing people, you know, vigilante shit. Yeah, um, and that's the problem. Like, they're not operating within the law. They're not, uh, they're not an impartial outside third party source. They're judge, jury, and Executioner. Not, yeah. not Judge Judy and Executioner. Uh, <laughs> you know, I really hate you for doing that because I was literally going to hot plug you and be like, I don't want to be Judge Judy and Executioner. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. So we do hope that you enjoyed episode five of Dread and Drafts. This one was fun. This was this this one. Uh, I, I've always enjoyed this movie. Um, so hope you guys do enjoy it as well. And I hope you did like your first viewing of this movie. First, second, and third. You watched it three oh. fucking times? Hot damn. Kidding? That is how I watch these movies. Sure I watch enough. them once for the experience, then twice to take notes, and then three times to go through and catch anything I miss. Fair enough. Annie, but- I love you. <laughs> how, how thoroughly you watch these things and how involved you are, and I, I appreciate you for that. I appreciate you, Jen. Jen. Aww. You're so pretty. <laughs> You're adorable. I love you. <laughs> I don't know who she was talking to, but I'm taking it. John's like, oh, I'm pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so, He's not an alpha male. We covered oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be. So for episode six, we are going to be talking and reviewing the Netflix original, The Ritual. Oh, that's right. It's, it's super, super a lot of fun. This movie is fantastic, and we will talk about it uh, when we sit down next with everyone. So until that time... Remember, if a job offer seems too good to be true, it probably is. Stay safe out there. Or don't. Bye.